Hello and welcome to Gold to Heat. I'm Dominic. And I'm John. I'm Melissa. And this is your cultural guide to punch, chop, and kick your way through the greatest era of action movies, 1975 to 1995. You know, it was a serious threat that I was going to forget that when we... When I thought you were going to forget recording. it. I already <laughs> forgot it, actually. <laughs> like what is he saying <laughs> this week we are watching the 1993 sci-fi classic demolition man because <laughs> you know we have to have a tie-in with the previous movie and what better tie-in than sylvester stallone and there's a plethora of options that we could have chosen from uh, but we picked the one with the least amount of stretch pants which is probably <laughs> demolition man <laughs> i don't know sandra bullock is wearing a lot of stretch pants in this it's true so. That is true. We had to return to the slightly in the future sci-fi movie. <laughs> that this is. Because I did not realize that it premiered in 1993 and then it opens in 1996. So it is, yeah. it is this, as if the 1992 riots never ended. They yeah, just kept going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember it being like that in 1996. I must have been sleeping yeah, or something. I don't know. Like, I mean, it's like 23 years it's ago a pretty, now. <laughs> it's pretty worn torn in, in 96 LA. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe, you know, it was just nicer up in the San Francisco area where we were. <laughs> Suck it, SoCal. <laughs> directed by Marco Brambia. He also directed Excess Baggage and a short-run Disney Channel show for Dinotopia. Really? They made a Dinotopia show? It's like 10 episodes. Is that on? <laughs> yeah, is that on Disney Plus? Plus? <laughs> is that on the walk-in I have for Disney Plus? <laughs> he is most known for being a, quote, video collage and installation artist. So oh, the question okay. is, is, how did he get this job? Like, how did he oh, get okay. Demolition Man? <laughs> it is written by Robert Renault, Peter Lenkov, and Daniel Waters. Now, Daniel Waters, the first two wrote it, and then Dan- Daniel Waters came in to then help with the screenplay. He fixed it. I'm yeah, saying. he fixed up the screenplay. <laughs> yeah. He, was- <laughs> he also wrote the screenplays for Heather's, Hudson Hawk, and Batman Returns. You know, the second Batman? So, like... But Heather's is good. Uh, yeah. Hudson Hawk, no. <laughs> Not good. Uh, so so if you're supposed to be the cleaner like basically the entire staff for this movie did a bunch of crap but you know who pulled it together joel silver he's the producer on this movie you know the joel silver that produced like basically your entire childhood yeah you know all the greatest action movies of all time that's joel silver yeah but to be fair a lot of times producing is just signing the check so i don't not like he had a whole lot to do you know not like he was out there building sets because all the producing that john has done in the past (laughs) i'm an accomplished producer (laughs) from what i've read about joel silver he might just have done that. A little fun fact before we get started here. Um, the original movie, Taco Bell, is the one that wins the franchise wars. However, in the EU version, it's Pizza Hut. Because Taco Bell wasn't very big in the EU in the early 90s. So for whatever reason, ours is the EU version. Yeah, what was that? ours is Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, like, and, that, and that caught me off guard. Yeah, uh, remember we remember this Taco, this Taco Bell. Bell. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. It's like, okay, here comes the Taco Bell part. And then it was Pizza Hut. I'm like, oh, maybe I just... It had like a Mandela effect or something. Me too. Like that. I thought that too. I'm like, I thought it was. And then I was like, oh, I must have been wrong all these years thinking it was Taco Bell. Huh. Yeah, just the European version is Pizza Hut, and then they, they don't have Taco it. Bell. They say Taco Bell, but they dub it to say Pizza Hut. They don't have. They didn't have Taco Bell back then. No, no. I feel bad for all of you. I would love to travel no, there because... with good burritos <laughs> and just hand them out to people on the street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why would you not have Taco Bell? <laughs> The same seven ingredients make like a billion things and they're all delicious. And cheap, too. I mean, where else can you feed a family of five on $20? <laughs> <laughs> Before 
before we really get rolling, I just want to remind people that this show is available on basically every podcatcher platform of choice. But I want to remind you specifically about TuneIn and Spotify. So you don't need to subscribe. If Showdown Little Tokyo or Rocky weren't your thing, giving okay. you giving you the sideways glance right now. That could be true yeah, for some people, I'm sure. I guess if you called that a life. <laughs> you can also check us out on TuneIn and Spotify. Also, if you know someone who's really into one of these movies, like, hey, you should check this out. Spotify and TuneIn. That's where we are. No subscription required. You can listen to it at any time at your leisure or that person's leisure. They can listen to it at any time. We would really appreciate it if you share it with some people too. So if you're a regular listener, we love you. We really appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us every fortnight to listen to us talk about the greatest era of action movies. We would also love for you to share it to somebody. You know, let someone know about the show. Let them know, hey, if they're not really into action movies. This is why they should be in action movies and hear the fun and excitement that we have. For example, I had a recent conversation with all the younglings that I work with in my office in my normal nine to five, and none of them have seen Demolition Man. So we're just going to throw this right into their inbox right when I get to work (laughs) on Monday morning. (laughs) Because it was so far away. It was so long ago. They were like two when it came out. Well, without much further ado, let's go ahead and dive into the Demolition Man, because that he is as way as the way that this movie starts out, because we're about to destroy some building in Kentucky. Let's go break down the Demolition Man. <laughs> so we open up. It's L.A. It's 1996. Slightly. I mean, ever so slightly. In the future. In the future. <laughs> I don't know how far in the future was Harley Davidson the Marlboro Man. Was that was that, that was only like two years, right? I think it, it was, was around ninety six. So this might be that same, you know. Yeah, it was like um, the same, like ninety five. Escape wasteland. It was six you know, months into the future. In. <laughs> uh, the reason why I ask because this might be our shortest jump into the future ever. <laughs> no, I think I, don't know, I think everything by the airport. <laughs> I think Harley Davidson was like literally like a year. It was like a year into the future. I, I've been to LA since 1996. It's not all like this. I mean, there's, you know, there's some parts that are all right. I mean, seriously, it looks like the Staples Center was turned into the Thunderdome. <laughs> it did. Yeah. There's fires everywhere. Tire fires. <laughs> you know what science fiction never predicted? It like there's like Escape from LA and Demolition Man and all these ones that are about like how LA turns into this hellscape. No one ever predicted of turning the hellscape because of anti-vax. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, I love how it's always L.A., but no one ever thought it was, you know, LaPorte, Indiana. Just saying, maybe they should make Escaping Gary, Indiana, you know, instead. <laughs> Simon Phoenix is up to no good. Starting trouble in the neighborhood. Well, the name like Simon Phoenix, his parents really made it, so he was always going to be up to no good. <laughs> <laughs> He's got 30 people held prisoner. In like an old IKEA or something, <laughs> so, like, it's huge. The building is huge. It's old box factory, <laughs> and it's up to Rock Ambo to uh, go <laughs> yeah. save the day. He comes in on a helicopter, lands, and it very much runs like a Nintendo video game level. He's got to fight like each bad guy as he's going down the line. <laughs> Picks up, throws a crate at one, jumps over the other guy, rolls a barrel, and, it, and the guy jumps over it and gets the coin. <laughs> This is what I love about the 90s. No subtlety. Mm-hmm. They tell you what each person is thinking and what they're feeling and why they're angry or you know, yeah, he's evil. Basically, or, yeah, know, he's whatever. basically announcing what he's doing as he's doing it. He's like, I'm getting off the plane. <laughs> 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 going in. I'm going to get you, Phoenix. 
<laughs> when I find you, I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Nothing is implied. Every, they just do the thing. Yeah. And then they say it. They say it while they're doing it. Uh, they even say it in here. It's like the police chief says, I'm tired of this demolition man shit. Like, just in case you're wondering where the name comes from. There you like, go. We're just going to get it out in like the first 43 mm-hmm. seconds of the movie. <laughs> in case that didn't drive it home, we're going to make sure that uh, at the end of the scene of him arresting Phoenix, that the C-404 that they keep in the giant barrels in this factory, (laughs) apparently, is all going to explode and demolish the building, just like a demolition man would. This movie has, if you're looking for not just sci-fi, but action movies, like, I want, you know what I want? I want something that's going to entertain me, be high octane, and a lot of ass kicking. Seriously, this movie's got it because he bungee jumps out of a helicopter. By himself, alone. Sega Genesis his way (laughs) through the warehouse. Then escapes the exploding barrels of C4 out of the building to rescue the bad guy. And then he goes to jail for it. Because he didn't think of the hostages. (laughs) He's like, no, I did my thermal scan. Obviously, Simon Phoenix, he's a little bit smarter than he looks. (laughs) (laughs) The the whole scene, too, in this open where he releases the fuel on the floor and then threatens to light it if Spartan shoots him or Phoenix Phoenix threatens if Spartan shoots him, he'll light that on fire. As if the fire is bulletproof. You're still going to get shot. (laughs) You'll just be on fire while you get shot. (laughs) (laughs) He puts out the torch and then says, oh no, I'm going to do this with my cigarette instead. And then the fire like burns the gun out of Spartan's hand Mm -hmm. because it does Simon's bidding. (laughs) Salt by fire control. So as I mentioned, or as John mentioned, Spartan has now been framed for murdering the 30 hostages who were blown, like, as the fireman says, like, just, just body parts everywhere. Just, but like, they- <laughs> raining body parts all over L.A. County. But they were already dead, right? That's what it's supposed to be, right? They were already dead so before he even got there, and then they just blew up. Because he's already no, talking about... No, no, no. It's, it's because, because he was so haphazard that he caused the explosion that killed the 30 hostages that oh, okay. they weren't dead. Gotcha. See, I thought they were so already he's dead. he's responsible for the deaths of all the hostages, so he's as responsible as Phoenix is. That's why they both go to gotcha. jail. You are both right. Obviously, because that's how the criminal criminal justice system works. You are both right, because in this scene, that's why he goes to jail, because all the hostages were killed due to his recklessness, his demolition man ways. But later in the movie, Phoenix tells Spartan... They were already dead. They were already dead. Yeah. He framed him yeah. for that. Okay, so that's ah. what I thought. Okay. Yeah, so they were already dead. But either way, he, he didn't know that at the time. Stallone didn't know that. He, oh, sorry, Spartan didn't know that. And he went in there like an animal and <laughs> messed it all up. <laughs> well, what, to, to give him credit, way back in the future of 1996, forensics weren't very, very good. <laughs> but they could freeze you. <laughs> yeah, let's weird. talk about that. Like, they could how did you in, that become a thing? Yeah. In 1986, uh, so, they could freeze you naked in a vat of what looked like jelly or, I don't know, some kind of weird <laughs> glistening liquid. It didn't look like and, water. <laughs> and apparently, they could freeze you for as long as they just felt like it. This scene for the freezing is as awkward as it gets because you're constantly on the verge of seeing Spartan's taint. It's just you, floating I mean, around out there the entire time. I think I saw it. <laughs> I think they didn't do a very good job of blurring it. I was constantly afraid. I'm like, that's not a par- that's not a part of his body that I would like to see. Thank you. <laughs> He's also going to have the ultimate shrinkage. I so mean, don't judge anyone in jail. Like, I mean, you have to wait till they get thrown out. Like, <laughs> I also don't understand how this is a punishment because John, like what you were saying, 
They could, because if you were frozen, let's say you committed 30 killings, they could freeze you for like 500 years, right? Now, his punishment is 70 years. But don't you remember it's not just a punishment because they're also, like, they're rehabilitating them as they're in there. They're pumping them full of, like, skills. So he could, when he comes out, he can, was it crochet or something? Knit Knit or something? Uh He can knit. Oh, yeah, he can knit. They're also rehabilitating them at the same, they think that's like rehabilitation. Because they're giving them a skill that they can do. Well, when we skip forward after he gets frozen, it's now 2032 and William Smithers still works there, which is the great name. I know. <laughs> now, before we get into the yes. defrosting and the future of the L.A. hellscape, not the same, but still a hellscape. Uh, let's talk about this week's guest stars, because I love, love not only the people who are in this movie, but also the names that they have, like John Spartan. You know, the Spartan warrior. Mm-hmm. Simon Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix rising from the ashes to come again. Lenina Huxley, you know, I was in Aldous Huxley, the writer of Brave New World, and the female lead character in there is Lenina. <laughs> so I love all the characters in this movie. John, what do you got for us this week? Less than you, apparently. <laughs> uh, so let's get started with the most with the obvious John Spartan played by Sylvester Stallone. And if you listened to our podcast last week, you might've caught that he wrote all six Rocky movies and Cobra and the movie driven and Rambo (laughs) and Homefront. Now they can't all be winners. (laughs) He also co-wrote fist and over the top and rhinestones just so he could sing songs. (laughs) And we talked about it a lot last week. He was, like, literally responsible for so many careers with Rocky and the Rocky movies. He's he's pretty iconic, and he's still doing it. Our next guest star is Wesley Snipes, who plays Simon Phoenix. Wesley Snipes was actually born in the Bronx, but moved to Florida when he was in high school. He actually grew up studying martial arts and was deeply involved in drama and studying acting. He's a fifth Don black belt in Shotokan karate and a second Don hop in black belt in Hapkido. So he's the real deal. Like he's a real martial artist. You know, most I think we missed a huge opportunity here with our son because not only do we watch a lot of karate movies, but a lot of the other movies we watch that aren't karate based. The people in there are like whatever number of black belt of yeah. this and that different karate. So if we wanted our son to be like the next JCBD. We probably should have kept on the karate train. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, but they didn't even know what Seattle karate was. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. I asked them and they were no, like, what's that? They actually yeah. didn't know. I wore a Jean-Claude Van Damme shirt there and they asked me who he was. Yeah, fuck those guys. So oh. <laughs> I was like, what? Wow. And I'm paying you to teach my kid how to fight? I don't think so. Yeah, that's, not, that, that's not a real dojo. No, it isn't. Snipes debuted in the 1986 film Wildcats, which was a Goldie Hawn film. And he would appear after that in an episode of Miami Vice. That was a great episode, too. Yeah, that's a good episode. It was, and it's one of my favorite deaths of all time because he kind of he, he kind of acrobatically falls after being shot for about 20 feet. So after Vice, he appeared as Michael Jackson's nemesis in the music video for Bad, which was directed by Martin Scorsese, of all people. Yeah, like so that, that, that's a lot of effort for a music video. <laughs> he would uh, follow that up with a character named Willie Mays Hayes in the move in the Major League movies. So, and that's kind of when things would break out for him. He'd have he'd 
Do Passenger 57, Money Train, which I love that movie. That movie's great. Oh, yeah. Same with White Man Can't Jump. Did the Blade movies. And they got suckered into some tax evasion. And had to spend three years in prison. It's not his fault he didn't want to pay taxes. It's the government's fault that they expected him to. Well, to be fair, he said that it wasn't his fault because he had somebody who was financially doing his taxes, like a financial person, and that he didn't and, know, you know that he wasn't paying taxes. And I've actually read some stuff on it. And actually, there's some of that. There was some of that argument, but then there was some of this also. You know, those people that go around saying, like, legally, they can't collect taxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, no worries. He served his time and he's back in the movie game. He's popped up with Sylvester Stallone in the Expendables movies. Very recently popped up in Dolomite Is My Name, which is a Netflix film that is awesome and you should check out. But he's also popped up in some lesser, more direct to video movies like Gallo Walkers and. Which uh, we saw. So, but. I, <laughs> Just to let you know that we're serious when we tell you we watch all bad movies. We do not discriminate. But I hear he's going to be in a Coming to America movie, which is a remake or a sequel or of some kind. I don't know it's, which. I think it's a sequel because Eddie Murphy's in it and it's supposed to be like they've aged and everything. I've seen like mm. them on set, so I'm pretty sure it's a sequel. But I don't think Arsenio just, Hall is going to be in it. Oh. How could that be? <laughs> Whatever it takes to get a McDougal's. <laughs> All right, so our next guest star is Sandra Bullock. She plays Le- Lenina Huxley. And Sandra Bullock, man, she's just massive. She was the highest paid actress in the world in 2010 and in 2014. You know what's funny uh, about her too- is, that, is that you say that, and I can probably only name like three movies that she's been in. I know she's in a ton of stuff and she gets paid a lot of money. She makes, you know, like she's a huge box office draw. But I cannot tell you more than like this movie, that blindside movie, uh, and neat and um, speed. What about the space movie where she's like floating up by herself? Oh, yeah. She's in that gravity. like gravity or whatever. She's, yeah. she's the only thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's in no, that. No, it was like Clooney was in it, too. Yeah, but only for like 15 minutes. And then it was like, oh, it's boring after he left. <laughs> she was also 2015 People's Magazine Most Beautiful Woman. Okay. Uh, so. <laughs> I mean, Blake Shelton she was debuted- the sexiest man. So. <laughs> Wow, that's a homely year. <laughs> yep. She debuted in 1987 with a minor role in the thriller Hangman. And then this movie was her real like first supporting role. Yep. That would follow with her breakout role in 94 speed for the rest of the 90s with a bunch of romantic comedies like while you were sleeping and hope float and the thriller the net in the 2000s she would do the miss congeniality movies she also has her own production company with her sister jacine bullock crotto so she's making money on both the front and back end of that on those deals you know sander bullock is like for me is jennifer aniston i know she's been in a bunch of movies I know people think she's funny. I don't know who any of those people are <laughs> or what, what movies they're in. So, but I know they exist. And Sandra Bullock is the same way. Like you list off those movies. I'm like, I'm trusting you on that. <laughs> she was in all those. <laughs> she's had a pretty interesting private life. Let's just put it there. She's had numerous stalkers, people breaking into her house. Our next guest star is Nigel Hawthorne. He plays Dr. Raymond Cocteau. He was born in England and raised in South Africa, but returned to the UK in the 50s and uh, began pretty much an extensive career in the theater from the 60s. 
60s, 70s, and 80s, worked all over, did a bunch of theater work, and then popped up in the movies The Madness of King George and The Object of My Affection. He also did a bunch of voice work, including Tarzan. Unfortunately, in 2001, he passed away at the age of 72. Our next guest star is Benjamin Bratt. He played Alfredo Garcia. He was found out of the Utah Shakespeare Festival group. Um, that was, that was get... not a sentence I expected. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> what was he doing I... in Utah, though? <laughs> I didn't expect that either, especially because, like, I think he's a, he's originally from San Francisco, and his his mom is is Peruvian. But somehow he ended up after college in Utah in the Utah Shakespeare Festival, which apparently is a thing. Like, <laughs> event, apparently that's where people go to break out to mm. acting. Damn. So he get his first break in the TV movie Juarez in 1987. He followed that up with another TV movie Police Story, Gladiator School in 1988. <laughs> Several more low-budget films and TV movies later, he would uh, have a breakout in what is known as Bound by Honor in 1993. That's a good movie. <laughs> That's like a yeah. cult movie. Around that same time, by the way, he would also do 13 episodes of something called Nasty Boys, which was a Dick Wolf TV show. Mm. And okay. he would star in the Nasty Boys TV movie, which also Dick Wolf. Mm. That would come up later in his career. <laughs> and then he would spend four years on Law & Order playing Detective Ray Curtis from 95 to 99. He would also reprise the role in 09. So, but during his original run the 95 to 99 he would also do a tv movie called exile a law and order movie i will admit that you could take benjamin bratt and lou diamond phillips and exchange them like interchange me wherever you want to and i probably wouldn't notice what are you blind <laughs> i fully expected i fully expected to be talking about lou diamond phillips right now i'll be honest with you you guys are crazy they don't look anything alike I'm sorry, Lou like, Diamond oh, Phillips oh, and oh, Benjamin, Benjamin Bratt. <laughs> you guys don't look anything alike. <laughs> Our next guest star is Bob Gunton, who plays Chief George Earl. He played the warden in Shawshank Redemption. That's probably his biggest role. He also played Leland Owsley in the Netflix TV series Daredevil. Also had a guest appearance on Vice. And actually, his early career is littered with one and two episode TV guest work. He's also got some pretty cool TV movie work. He did TV movies such as Elvis Meets Nixon, where he played Nixon, uh, and Perry Mason, The Case of the Glass Coffin. I feel okay. like I've said that before. Okay, I didn't know those things existed. I'm just glad he played Nixon and not Elvis. <laughs> Our next guest star is Glenn Shaddix, who plays the associate Bob. His breakout role was in Tim Burton's Beetlejuice in 1988. He also voiced the mayor of Halloween Town in The Nightmare Before Christmas in 93. He's done a ton of voice work for cartoons. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2010 from a fall at home. So, but that leads us to our last. Uh, guest stars Dennis Leary, comedian and actor and producer. He's a Boston comedian. And was a lot of comedians. You know, they, they like him and John Stewart and a few and like Adam Sand. Like a lot of those guys were in the comedy circuit at the same time. And so like as they were coming up, they they popped into each other's projects and movies a lot. Leary himself, he's got a pretty he's pretty accomplished, you know, both as an actor and so early on, he bunch of comedy movies like The Ref and Operation. Dumbo Drop. Later on, he would do some more big 
name blockbuster stuff. Like he voiced a character in all the Ice Age movies and he popped up in uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. He is responsible for the TV show Rescue Me. He wrote that. He produced a lot of it. And he starred in that from... 2004 to 2011 since rescue me has gone off the air he's done 20 episodes of sex and drugs and rock and roll he did that in 2015 to 2016 and he's also popped up in eight episodes of animal kingdom we come into it's 2032 as i mentioned william smithers he's still working there he was the guy that admitted john spartan before the freezing process happened now he's warden of the popsicle factory but how come he hasn't aged? <laughs> uh, science has gotten better, especially after the earthquake. Like After the earthquake destroyed everything, pharmaceuticals got really good. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Jump to the future, and he's talking like on a video phone with Sandra Bullock's character, Huxley. You get the feeling like, like oh yeah, everything's great here at the frozen criminal factory. <laughs> Nothing ever goes wrong here. <laughs> yeah they're like everything's perfect we never have it's so boring over here sorry we never have anything good happening <laughs> you almost expect to see a sign behind them that says like no accidents you know in a thousand and twenty one days <laughs> no accidentally unthawed criminals <laughs> No left, power failures. They left them on the counter too long. Just thawed out. <laughs> They're like going, get ready to get in bed. Oh shit, the criminals are still in the microwave. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, and with that dad joke, I want to highlight that this movie is full of them. It is full, it is the daddiest of dad jokes. All one-liners too. All, yeah. Oh yeah, just deadpan all the dad jokes nonstop as fast as you can. Because it's <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, was, he was on top of it with that. <laughs> <laughs> including that Dennis Leary's character's name is Friendly, and he's like the person who's trying to subvert the yeah. perfect utopia that they have, and his name's Friendly. Mm-hmm. Dad jokes. Everyone check your thermostat mm-hmm. real fast for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like some kids have been touching it. <laughs> and as you mentioned too, Lenina is constantly disappointed that her job is so boring. Now, it's been boring for a long time, for 22 years. There hasn't been any crime. There hasn't been any crime since the big one. But she gets to work and they're like, there was a graffiti. Oh, really? <laughs> Dr. Evil's like, chill out. Yeah. Like, it was all taken care of. There's no reason to be gossiping in my precinct. I'm a little worried about Huxley, too. We go to her office, and it's full of kids' toys. Like, she's got, like, a fire truck in there, shoots and letters. It's like, like, and she doesn't have any children. Like, what's wrong with this lady? <laughs> she's banging at shoots and ladders, okay? <laughs> She's really good at it. She gets all the shoots and no ladders. All the ladders and no shoots. There you go. I play that game a lot. Meanwhile, at the prison, Phoenix is up for parole, but Smithers is like, listen, this is just a formality. You are not being released. There's no way we're going to release you. But luckily, he's been fed. Phoenix has been fed all of the right information. and He's able to know the secret passphrase, which is teddy bear. <laughs> cute <laughs> i have so many problems if this is a formality why did you defrost the why did you completely defrost him why, why did you, you just defrost them? his head <laughs> you know <laughs> you're just gonna refreeze him you're just gonna dip him back in why why completely defrost him <laughs> why get the laser out and everything like just you know chisel him out a little bit <laughs> and this is the worst parole hearing 
ever. Like, they're so unprepared for this. Like, no one's prepared for him. And they're acting like he's just harmless. And he kicks their butt so easily that you almost feel like, like, how has this never happened before? I really, really want to have a talk with people in the future where they use passphrases mm-hmm. to unlock things. Like, teddy bear. Who so, came up with that? <laughs> so, so one trip to Build-A-Bear Factory and you have those kids come to the office. Hundreds of prisoners released on accident because they talk about their teddy bears that they just got. Also, the, but the guards are not trained for anything. He makes quick work of them. It's like they are in some kind of funny skit or something. Like they're slipping on banana peels <laughs> because I they're so I, inept. I'm coming back to the security thing, though. If the movie takes place in the 90s, to release the missile, you have to turn two keys simultaneously and then someone put their hand on top of a sensor and have their eyeball scanned all at the same time. But in the future, Teddy Bear <laughs> releases just teddy bear. <laughs> Poopy butt. Now yeah. everyone kick it out now. <laughs> ah, crap. Well, Joel knows the word. We're going to have to reset our password. Like, oh, it's going to make me reset all my passwords. And that kind of becomes, <laughs> and, and that kind of becomes a theme with it of no one being trained. Phoenix obviously goes right back to his killing ways. Right, back at the police station, they are alerted to a murder death kill, which I still argue is the fantastic name of a metal band, murder <laughs> death kill. But they are uh, alerted, and no one knows what to do because no one is trained for this. They are so underprepared for this that they eventually literally have to thaw out a policeman to help them i love love the precinct scene where because there's a whole bunch of greatness that happens there one is like you're talking about they're totally unprepared because they have no idea what to do no one has been killed in a long time mm-hmm. two they use those computer animation graphics which looks like something straight out of an 80s music, music video. video to be able to recreate the scene three their smugness when Lenina figures out, like, nope, I figured out whose doctor's car he stole. We trace the car, and then we, it's, it's at this one corner. They're like, oh, great job. Like, high five in each other. You know, yeah, like, big high five. Out. And they're like, we got him. We, yeah. But they still got to send the police officers that don't know dick about anything. They're for reading that <laughs> Comcast script that was given to them. <laughs> they're reading it, and they're like, he's very volatile. What do we do? <laughs> he's very angry with me. And then they're like, okay, well, you, you, you have to be stern. <laughs> <laughs> None of this is in the man. Now he's punching people. I was I was not prepared for this. <laughs> and when he starts uh, fighting those police officers out there on the street, just real fast, he finds that guy who's feeling sad. He goes up to that booth. The, the, to, I thought that was a suicide booth, though. <laughs> I'm feeling so sad, and they, they gave him a weird answer, like, "Well, you're okay." <laughs> Much it'd be soon to be back to joy, joy time. <laughs> yeah, that's not really helpful, though. <laughs> All I was thinking is that. Now that Phoenix is loose, no ATM is safe in the city. Yeah, Everyone's exactly. going to have to watch over their backs. <laughs> His overalls are fantastic. But then the computery noises they make while he's at the ATM, <laughs> as they are completely failing at subduing him and catching him, then gather around, children, and let me tell you about the criminal Simon Phoenix. <laughs> and that's when we see the mayor, Cocteau. We see Cocteau for the first time. And he's meeting with several Edward Snowdens in his... <laughs> I, I, I mean, I make that joke, but apparently it's like a remote optional office, so you could just like call in and then it's like... Apparently it's no cool. one ever like, shows yeah, up. Yeah, you don't have to show up to the office. Because those like, chairs just, are just made for TVs. There's yeah, no people just, just sitting Skype them. in. It's going to be good. <laughs> and that's when he finds out from Bob that there's this killer on the loose. And then he talks to the chief of police, says, I trust you're going to do whatever's best in your power that you're going to be able to do. But what he ends up doing 
is something that Cocteau is not prepared for, which is to defrost Spartan. We go through the defrost process, which is put him in the microwave for about five minutes. <laughs> Halfway through, rotate him, stir him, put the plastic <laughs> cover back yeah. on for another two and a half minutes. And then uh, <laughs> check and make sure he's at a, a 180 degrees or... Yeah, but first, put the microwave on half power, though. 50% power. <laughs> yeah. If you put it on too hot, it'd just, like, burn him. And he would just... He'd be, he would be, <laughs> just like... Just burns the edges that is cold in the middle. <laughs> exactly. The edges would be, like, really hard and burned. And then the middle, he'd just be solidly frozen. Like burritos. You got 50% power, that thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a tip about 7-Eleven microwaves. I, 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 know my I have way. experience. I know my them. way around those. When your wife is pregnant and you live within walking distance of a 7-Eleven, <laughs> here's what you do. You walk down, you pop an El Grandito into the microwave for a minute, 10 seconds. That's just enough time to fill up a Slurpee. And you come back, you flip it over, you heat it for another 40 seconds, which is enough time for you to get nacho cheese on top of your nachos. Then you're good. Then you can eat the Grandito on the walk back. Nice. Yeah. You did that a lot. I happen to know this pregnant lady that was really fixated on getting nachos. I figured out how to work that Grandito timing just right in those 7-Eleven microwaves. Ah, oh, those burritos are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> to get back to the movie, they have the worst welcome to the future speech, too. And they bring him back to the future, like, welcome to the future. Your wife is dead. Your, your child's probably a stripper somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they tell him that like there was this big earthquake in 2010, which in the grand scheme of things, it's only been 22 years since the entire world was destroyed by an earthquake. Well, not the world, but at least all of L.A. Yeah. And then they've been able to rebuild this. So just keep that in perspective. On like how quickly the city changed from Los Angeles to San Angeles, which now encompasses all of San Diego, Santa Monica, and Los Angeles. It's all one big city now. But not Rainbow. Rainbow, you suck. You're on your own. <laughs> Damn right I'm talking about you, Rainbow, California. <laughs> he also finds out that Phoenix has escaped. So the person that he went to jail for lost his wife, lost his entire life that was back in 1996. But now they've, that person has escaped. And also, by the way, no booze, no cigarettes, no caffeine, no sex. No toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to have no a problem with the no toilet paper more than anything. <laughs> no cussing. Everything fun has been outlawed. And that's where, in reality, this is a libertarian movie. It's about how the government's going to come, the nanny state is going to come in, and take all your stuff and all the fun stuff and all your freedom, that whole speech that Larry does later, or that Friendly does later. It's all about taking your freedoms, and Spartan's here to fix all that. See, and I agree with you there, but part of me also feels like like the hierarchy of the city of L.A., or San Angeles, or whatever. It's like they're being ruled by the Boy Scouts of America. <laughs> This is when we get the classic seashell scene. So this is the scene that everyone, whenever people talk about the demolition man, they talk about the seashells where he goes to the bathroom, comes out, tries to say that they were out of toilet paper. They say you're supposed to use the three seashells, but they never explain it to him. And my frustration runs high throughout this entire movie, even at the end that he never knows. Does he just hold it the rest of the movie? Or like does every night does he have to go on a cursing tirade to get enough toilet paper? Maybe twice a day sometimes, depending on what he ate during the day. Maybe he just I takes a shower. I'm just really curious. <laughs> I, I'm just really curious how big these seashells are and how... Because, I mean, I've, I've, we've all collected seashells on the beach. I don't know them to be smooth. 
mean, I, I, I thought this was going another smooth. place. I'm like, why? What is John talking about? That he has experience with seashells. And do you wash them afterwards? My God, I hope so. Do you share them with other people, or does everyone have their own seashells that they bring into the bathroom with them? Maybe they use them as a plug. <laughs> he just never learns how to use them, and then is. And then he goes towards the movie, like, so does he not eat? Is that how he controls it? Well, wait a minute, though. There's a whole scene where he's at Taco Bell. He needs those (laughs) (laughs) seashells. Well, Spartan knows what Phoenix is up to, which is to get a gun. And the only place that would have a gun is a museum. The most convenient museum in all of history who keeps all of their weapons loaded. Behind just this glass. (laughs) So that's where Phoenix is. He gets through there. Someone asks him what his boggle is. (laughs) But, you know, yeah. (laughs) I want the to dad know. jokes don't stop. What is your boggle? <laughs> <laughs> What's your boggle, son? You've been boggling all day so, today. <laughs> and so while he's there t- checking out the museum, we get Spartan and the other officers carpooling to the museum while listening to commercial jingles. <laughs> it's going to be great, John. This is going to be the greatest music segment <laughs> in the history of music segments. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You, you so? know he's going to sing the jingle, too. <laughs> Armor hot dog. <laughs> when Phoenix is able to not punch his way in, but throw someone through the glass. Which kind of doesn't make any sense. No. Who couldn't punch it through with his fist, but that guy's head would go through. <laughs> That's that guy his boggle. Had a really hard head. <laughs> That's what you, like, happens when you ask what someone's boggle is. You get thrown. <laughs> I don't know. Mind this, your this business about scene. my boggle. He starts with throwing a guy through glass. He ends up shooting Spartan with a cannon at one point. So, I mean, they're all over the place. There's a Dodge Aries K for some reason. <laughs> Spartan goes in by himself to take care of this. And I know that the modern police aren't going to be any help. But he is also not very good either. <laughs> so, what? Phoenix, Phoenix is able to escape. Not only escape, but escape with all the weapons he wanted to leave with as well. well he's only one man. Jeez. <laughs> but so is Phoenix. Hey, hey, he's got a whole arsenal of weapons in Spartan's defense at the very end he does chase him away and prevent him from not killing the Grand Wizard or whatever his name is (laughs) the Grand Wizard (laughs) so this is when we see the actual twist in what's going on in the movie because Phoenix comes out of the museum he runs into Cocteau who happens to just be walking across the grass and this is where we learn that Cocteau has put this thing together he's one that's taught Phoenix through the subliminal replacement memory thing. Where they're trying to rehabilitate them. Yeah. His skill was that he learned how to do all these things like all computers the computer and yeah, like learn different languages, and martial arts and all this stuff. He's also in a program that he can't kill Cocteau. He can't shoot at him. He can't kill him. He's at the mercy of whatever Cocteau's bidding, which is to kill Friendly. Because Friendly is the ultimate threat. Not Phoenix. Friendly is the ultimate threat to the utopian society that they've built in San Angeles. Well, Phoenix isn't trying to steal Damn food for the poor. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly, though, they're stealing jars of stuff. I don't know what that is that they're just taking. <laughs> Looks like pills that says Pizza Hut on the side of it. <laughs> Spartan comes running over right when Phoenix escapes, and the mayor says, Son, you saved me. I really appreciate you. How about you come to Pizza Hut with us? And he's like, Pizza Hut? <laughs> why have or all Taco places... Bell, depending yeah. on what, yeah. what, what version you're yeah. watching. Yeah, or Taco Bell. He's like, why have all places... I don't understand why he would invite me to Taco Bell slash Pizza Hut. And she's like, oh, you don't understand. Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, they won the war. So they're, the only restaurant is that one. Sorry, guys. She no also tells him chicken. that he really licked his ass. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, really... You 
really wants his ass. Right now. <laughs> the dad jokes just don't so. stop. So, but yeah, he has a date with the Grand Wizard at Pizza Hut, uh, <laughs> thanks to President Schwarzenegger, because that was a thing. <laughs> Gonna be the best birthday party ever. I just realized something. Of course, Spartan was like, what are you talking about? Like a uh, Pizza Hut or Taco Bell? Now, if the Grand Wizard would have said, come with me to Shakey's, that would have made total <laughs> sense. Like, yeah, let's go. A straw hat? Uh, no. You want to go hey, no to one, straw hat pizza? No, no one wanted no, to no. go to straw hat I, pizza. I get it. Okay. <laughs> you guys no, stuck I know there. why they're going... <laughs> No, clearly they're going to a Pizza Hut, but they're going to one of the fancy ones with the wing stop in it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the ones that actually have the sneeze guards. And the and they have waitresses and stuff. Like the Pizza Hut, they have a waitress instead of just like going up to the window. Listen, yeah. straw hat See, that's, that's, okay? Let's <laughs> get that straight. <laughs> so, Real but, fast. You know, uh, they, have a, they have such a lovely dinner, but it's all ruined by the damn sewer people. The mutants come the mutants. above ground. <laughs> Some of them triple mutants. <laughs> Spartan sees them early and starts heading out knowing like there's going to be some sort of gang warfare. That's what he thinks is happening. There's going to be some like gang invasion or something like that. People are in our danger. Yeah. And then he realizes when it's all said and done that they were just stealing food. After he kicks all their asses <laughs> for trying to steal food and then feels guilty about it. He's like, I don't want to fight people for trying to take to feed themselves. There's one scene where he catches a guy and he drops like a giant Pizza Hut tub of tongue. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I couldn't figure out what was, was in that jar. It said Pizza Hut, but it looked like I thought tums. it was great that Pizza Hut mitt was making tums. It seems very brand appropriate. <laughs> you do realize at this point that Cocteau, what he's trying to make is... It's really his ultimate control over the entire society that whatever he thinks is best. And so the people who are hiding out there, obviously struggling, they're trying to steal food to be able to stay alive. But Spartan is starting to see the cracks in Cocteau now that he knows like, oh, hey, this guy's kind of actually crazy for power. Quick drive. Spartan apologizes to Lenina. And then Lenina also got him the security footage tape from outside of the museum. At the mayor's office, Phoenix is waiting for Cocteau. And he, Cocteau tells him during your, this when he tells him during your rehabilitation process is how you learned all these new skills. I'm the one that got you out. I'm the one that gave you all this information. Your job is to kill friendly. That's all that you're supposed to do. And Phoenix says, okay, fine, but I need more stuff. I need more stuff and more people to be able to do that. Yeah, and, and he gives him a list of people, but he makes a point to say not any of those New York people. And he and something about throughout this movie, he keeps referencing about he doesn't like the people from New York. It's just something he says. It's like like not those New York people. And he always talks talking crap, and it's like I don't I don't I don't understand. Yeah. Other than it's just, LA and that's New mm-hmm. York and maybe that's just like like some kind of rivalry thing was or yeah. something. Like a, was it like an inside joke with them at the with the writers? I like <laughs> I, I don't understand. Maybe it's an East Coast West Coast rap thing, and he was like, "Yeah, it's a Biggie Pock." Yeah, that's, maybe that's what he was talking about. And I, I'm kind of with him on that. <laughs> Well, let's, let's get to the good stuff here. Lenina <laughs> invites Spartan back to her place because he's just sitting down the hall. But come back to my place. And when he comes in, it's like, hey, you know what? I mean, sex and violence have been like kind of outlawed, though, those two things together. But because violence can cause sex. And I I mean, I saw you out there. Damn. Oh, yeah. Damn. All I'm thinking about is doing sex. That's all I'm thinking about. She can we do the totally sex? Totally wants please? the bang. <laughs> Spartan is like, yeah, yeah okay. sure, why not? Like, yeah, you want to go mean, for a round? Let's go for it. He got over his wife being dead pretty fast, didn't he? That was only, that was like earlier in the day. <laughs> it was at two o'clock. <laughs> she was dead. Ten o'clock. He's like, yeah, let's uh-huh. 
I mean, she, I was frozen. She was dead. I have a small penis, but let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it still hasn't it's thought. Shrinkage, Melissa. It's shrinkage. It hasn't thought out yet, okay? <laughs> well, and that's why, like, the helmets should work for, work in this advantage because they put on these helmets and they mentally have sex without actually touching each other. But he flips out as soon as she psychically fingers him in the butthole. <laughs> she went a little too far. <laughs> He's not so into that. It's, he's got the helmet on. He, you can experiment. He didn't say sea cucumber. <laughs> Maybe he's just worried because he's not that clean, okay? He doesn't understand the seashell thing. He doesn't have any toilet paper. His ass is dirty. It feels weird. You know, I'm realizing as we go through this movie, man, there's a lot of similarities between this and Altered Carbon. Because in, in the book, Altered Carbon, all your personality stuff is inside of a disc inside of your neck. But they don't have sex in a traditional way. That's not because it's outlawed, but they, they have virtual sex. It's like way better because it can last longer and all this other stuff. But there's these other crossovers where like they can freeze people for a long time in jail. They get put in jail inside of their stack. I'm starting to question now. Who ripped who off? Yeah, Altered Carbon, which came out (laughs) after (laughs) Demolition Man. Well, apparently they can't have the old fashioned sex, you know, the old boot stomping in mud because (laughs) of AIDS and... (laughs) No fluid transfers. And UBT, that UBT is some terrible stuff. It'll give you little sores all over your mouth. Yeah, because you can't, she's like, you want to do a fluid transfer? What are you, crazy? (laughs) Okay, I don't want to check your oil. I just want to have sex. (laughs) I don't need to do like a transmission flush. I just want to have sex. (laughs) The next day, Spartan apologizes to Lenina. He gives her that hand-knitted sweater. Sorry, the night before, yes. he also sees in the security footage the whole Phoenix cocktail exchange, so he knows what's up. He turns into an old lady and knits a sweater at the same time. Yes. Yeah, yes. and he also sees the knitting thing is the best part. that's what you do part. when you have pent-up sexual energy, is you knit sweaters. <laughs> the dad I'm sorry of, our date was ruined. Here's a sweater. Of all the dad jokes that are in this movie, the knitting one is the best one that he knits. <laughs> he that's knits, just yeah. his thing. And that same scene, too, with him knitting the sweater, that while you were frozen, they're able to download things into your brain. That's why he knows how to knit. Then that's when they say, for some reason, uh, Simon Phoenix was downloaded all these murder and murder tactics <laughs> and ways to murder. <laughs> it's just a bunch of murder. <laughs> Murder well, it, it is just it, it um, immediately jumped out to me is like why is that even available to download if it's a rehabilitation program? Yeah, who like, made why that is program? this stuff even av- available to beam into their heads? The police don't even have guns. Why would you then be why is this on the menu? Yeah. I don't know. It's like saying we're a vegan restaurant and there's a rib section on the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, for whatever reason the crack police work of Spartan, because remember, he's the only real cop. They had to unthaw a cop to teach them how to be cops. So he does the cop thing and figures out that, well, because you guys have cameras everywhere, but we can't find Simon, he's got to be the only place where the cameras aren't, which is in the sewers with the libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> That's where Wynn and LaRouche packed up all of his people. And they moved down into the sewers. And they made rat burgers. <laughs> There's no commentary associated with that statement. <laughs> other than Lyndon LaRouche followers now live in the sewer. <laughs> Where they belong. No, I'm 
Yeah, so they go down to see the scraps, have the rat burger, have a beer, talk to some people, meet with friendly. My only question is... It really does have a rat burger. Um, (laughs) I would have preferred the raccoon tacos. (laughs) My question is, is that they were able to get to the scraps really easily. And if there was such a problem for Cocteau, why didn't he just send his police force down there? I think he just figured if, as long as you don't go look at them, you're okay. Like, just don't go bother them. And then, I don't know. And then, and then Fr- Friendly started getting too aggressive. Thought, like, okay, well, I'm going to have to kill Friendly. That way the scraps can just stay down there. But. I don't think the scraps are actually a problem. I think he's just making a bigger deal out of it because he doesn't want anyone yeah. to mess up what he's got going on. I don't think they're doing enough damage like, to anything to make it a big deal. But uh, he doesn't want anyone going out against him. I'm with Dominic. I feel kind of... Like we're missing, like maybe he's turning, he's trying to turn them into Soylent Green or something. <laughs> yeah, know? maybe he's got um, some plan to like dump something because, down. <laughs> but because Friendly's their leader, they're unionized and he can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Phoenix and his gang of thugs are having that little prep party and then they just stumble on that Lenina Garcia and Spartan are with Friendly just out in the open in the food court. Just chilling. a rat burger, just chilling. Chilling right next to Panda Express. <laughs> no surprises that stuff's made out of rats when you're next to Panda Express. <laughs> hey, they put bacon and stuff. <laughs> they just destroy the whole food court, too. I grew in it for everybody. They already live in the sewer. Now they live in the sewer without a food court. Sabaros so have had a hard enough time already. Like, why you gotta do this to them? You can't get their breadsticks and salad, pizza. <laughs> they destroy everything, and then Simon's guys escape, and obviously this leads to chase scene, which I thought was like, well, how is he gonna? How's this gonna lead to a chase scene? You know, they've got they're in the sewer. They've got to leave the sewer and acquire a car, but they're able to take a car. And the surprise elevator that just pops up <laughs> randomly somewhere. And they're able to just immediately drive off into a chase. So it was like, solved. Chase scene solved. <laughs> We're able to get this done. It's standard by the books chase scene. He jumps from his, Spartan does, from his car onto Phoenix's car. They wrestle in the door while trying to push someone's face into the moving asphalt but phoenix just rolls away and then the, the car malfunctions and he spartan crashes the car it's I, i've by the that those self-driving cars <laughs> that they malfunction so now we're on to what's going to be the final showdown showdown between <laughs> phoenix and spartan first the phoenix final countdown. <laughs> phoenix goes and meets with cocteau and it's like hey you know what i think i got this thing covered i don't need you anymore and uh, also a big oversight that you had was that i can't kill you but all these people you unfrosted for me they can, can kill you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which, why, if he could make it so that F- Simon Phoenix couldn't kill him, why he wouldn't make everyone he defrosts unable to kill him? In- well, including th- including Spartan. Shouldn't that just be standard operating procedure? Everyone defrosted. None of the popsicles can kill me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think it took years of planning for him to get Phoenix to where he wanted him. So he'd have to like know and like implant all that. That's why he didn't know they were going to do that with Spartan. That was not the he, he didn't think the police chief house. would do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't know why he did that, but I think he thought he could control them because he thought he was smarter than them. <laughs> well, they Brazilian barbecue him, and then Phoenix is set to defrost about eighty people in the prison, so he's going to unleash everybody and then just take total control of San Angeles because no one except for Spartan is able to stop him. But he's going to unfrost 70 or 80 people, so no one can stop him. Spartan but, and Lenina show up uh, just as Phoenix is running off. So, 
But Spartan they, has backup now because the Rebels show up. Simon just ruined their favorite Sabaro. So, you know, <laughs> so now. So this movie's a lot of fun and it focuses on the fun, like Fifth Element and, and other movies that are kind of from the same era, like this mid to late 90s era of sci-fi movies. So they really focused on that aspect of it. The only problem I had is the scraps stuff and like what their role is in it. Like, how come the police don't go down there and just like run everyone out? How come they don't just seal up the sewers like if there's such a problem? Kind of like in... Total Recall. Total Recall or in Logan's Run. Like in Logan's, Logan's Run, Run where they just lock them outside of the city and then they're not a problem. Like they just boot them outside of San Angelo so they're not a problem. This is another one of the parts where I don't understand what the scraps is that they come that they're going like they're going to help. And Spartan says, hey, thanks. And then he runs off with Lenina. They run into a couple people at the L.A. Convention Center. I mean... Octo's <laughs> mansion and they defeat, they defeat those couple people but then that's it and you don't see what happens with the scraps like well if there's a war happening on the street between phoenix's people and the scraps you just had that scene they're where all the scenes. they got voted down that's what happened <laughs> they're not fighters <laughs> they're out there eating rat burgers i don't got time for that <laughs> there's just not a lot of stuff with the scraps that makes sense that's my com- my only complaint about the movie is that there's the scraps yeah, stuff never I, comes around they don't really utilize yeah, them and, the right way yeah they're definitely like just yeah, part and, of the and, story that doesn't that doesn't come to fruition there's no like obvious happily ever after for them like there's no conflict being solved because you don't actually see anything get solved in the future for for them except that the grand wizard is gone <laughs> so now we're off to the final showdown phoenix is going to release all these people from the jail he gets it rolling and then shoots all the people that work inside of the prison so now it's just him and he knocks huxley out with one of those police batons that that they're like electric and they like shock you but he has no actual training or knowledge of these futuristic weapons, so him shocking her in the dome like that, he might have just killed her. <laughs> yeah, or I mean... shocked her back to like first grade. He has no idea. He just <laughs> he just shocks her right in the face and just uh, lays her on the ground. <laughs> well, luckily for Spartan, there's only ten minutes left until. All the prisoners are released, so it's just in time for a great final showdown. And in this battle, it's typical of what has happened so far in this movie. Phoenix outsmarts Spartan and is a terrible shot. It just like kind of teases him and drags him along, picks him up with the claw, shoots at him a whole clip out of that gun and doesn't hit him once. He's outsmarted yeah. him around every corner. But just through Spartan's sheer will of making it happen, is it he's able to fight back. You're right. He's got the the whole giant claw machine doesn't work out. Somehow he comes up with like a lightning gun out of nowhere. Why would they have a lightning gun just lying around? <laughs> but he just starts shooting that at him. He can't kill him with that. He's a disappointing bad guy. He struggles to close. He just can't finish. Spartan is able so, to, for once, outthink Phoenix. Gets him soaked in water and then hits the ground with one of those balls that makes them turn into popsicles jumps out of the way just in time before it freezes everything around and then decapitates phoenix while yes. he's frozen but his body so, could still uh, come to life <laughs> you can see 1000 his way back together exactly. <laughs> yes no no but once again spartan really doesn't have any knowledge of these futuristic things so how does he know that if he breaks it, that it will freeze everything around it? Like, how does he know that any of this will work? The only way he would have known is if he saw it when he got 
frozen. Magic freezing juice spills out and freezes everything and then randomly explodes. You know. <laughs> of course, there's just enough time left over there after he freezes Phoenix, kicks his head off, and then runs down the hallway to escape the explosion. Well, of course there is. Why does it explode, though? I, I, I thought they were just defrosting the other 80 guys. Like, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He, did someone he was... put metal in the microwave? <laughs> I just realized something. He goes down and tells the chief of police, Phoenix is taken care of. Then he tells Friendly, hey, the prison is taken care of. There's no more popsicle. I didn't know that Friendly had a problem with the popsicle prison. He never had. All he had a problem with was like being told what he was supposed to do. Not with how they were keeping prisoners. Yeah. So, and then also, all those prisoners I are did. dead. No, yeah. I, I thought what right away, I'm like, they're dead. For like, what if you were in there for like five more years, you know? You, you get stole out some bread, Friday, now you're dead. <laughs> he just judged dread in a whole prison. Yep. Judge jury and execution. He just killed all those prisoners. You know, because oh, all see? prisoners, you're going to keep me on my prison hype now. Because all prisoners are, you know, they're people that deserve to die. They're not like, I got caught shoplifting, so I'm in jail for two years, and that's why they froze me. No, that person des- deserved to die, didn't he? Damn it, sorry. Question, man. I'm sorry, Judge but Phoenix also, <laughs> Phoenix also murdered a whole bus full of people. So <laughs> there's also those people that were in that prison, and I'm, I'm pretty okay with those guys being blown up. I'm just saying. I'm good with that. It wasn't like they were going to come out anyway. They could be, they've been in there for like 100 years, some of them. All right, if you leave the politics out of it, I'll get off my soapbox about prison reform. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly never said anything well, about it, prison reform. That was a priority to him. He said everything about food and being able to run down the street covered in jello. He didn't say anything about taking care of the popsicle prison. Why does he care at the end here about the popsicle prison being destroyed? Who knows? All Spartan cares about at this point is going home and trying to bang Huxley again. <laughs> the real way. The dad joke. Yeah, the real way. They're going to get UBT. Calling it. They're going to get all infected with it. Also, the, the scene where he like kisses her at the end. I thought like, that, that was banned. Like, it's like outlawed. But everyone's walking by like, they're like, eh, we all do it. Get over it. We're all doing sexy old fashioned way. We're all getting the diseases. This is CHX 1138 all over again. <laughs> They're all infected with the UBT. <laughs> well, Spartan just tells them that they need to work it out. That they're not going to live in this, you know, where where everything good is banned. Then also with the scraps living underground, like you're going to have freedom, but everyone's just got to meet in the middle. So the the big political message here just kind of ends with like, I don't know, you guys will figure it out. Uh, it's not my problem. <laughs> well, at least it's not San Andreas. <laughs> that place is a crap hole. I realize that now that we've broken down this movie, it, it kind of ends with a da da da. Yep. <laughs> that's that's yep. it. <laughs> it's a big buildup for not a lot of closure. <laughs> I mean, like, he, do we even get to know if he ever wants to go see his daughter? I mean, I know he said he didn't want to, but like, apparently, there's a cut scene where she, because she's in the scraps, and there's a cut scene where she's he like runs into her and she's down. She lives with the scraps. See, she is a stripper. She probably lives by the airport. Told too. you she turned into a stripper. <laughs> That's what I said, I'm like, you, you don't want to see her. She's working at a strip club. <laughs> Well, before we get too far into our final thoughts, let's go talk about this week's music. It's going to be fantastic. As Melissa said, John, you are required to sing all of them. <laughs> they couldn't get Oscar Mayer Wiener, huh? <laughs> they couldn't pay that money. They didn't have Oscar Mayer money. <laughs> Sorry. They had to get like, the, the generic arm, armor hot dog. <laughs> let's go talk about this week's music. All right, John. We're joking around about the music, and I know there's a lot of jingles here. 
But there is one actual artist, a big time artist, that did make a very custom song just for this movie. So what do you got for us this week? Big song of the movie is titled Demolition Man. Who would have thunk it? And it was written and performed by Sting. He was actually commissioned to write and perform the song. I don't believe it charted. You know, I'm very disappointed because... When I saw that there was a song called Demolition Man that was made specifically for this movie. I mean, I like Sting, but I was very disappointed that it wasn't a Prince song. That he then also made like seven albums about Demolition Man. <laughs> and it became number one on the pop charts. Yeah, no, no. It was pretty much just, just for this movie. So, But Sting, also known as Gordon Matthew Sumner, e- English musician and actor, uh, and formerly lead singer and bassist of the new wave band The Police. Gordon was in the police from 1977 to 1984 before he launching his solo career in 1985. And between his time in the police and his solo career, he has won 17 Grammy Awards. Pretty damn impressive. Yeah, that is. After college from about 1971 to 74, he was actually a school teacher at St. Paul's First School. And he would also perform jazz in these evenings, which it sounds, you know, like something, you know, you go to a coffee shop to hear the light jazz stylings of Gordon Matthew Sumner. <laughs> that sounds like it goes. <laughs> so uh, he also played in a couple bands and eventually decided to try music full time. In 1977, he moved to London and that's where he would form the police. They would have five UK chart-topping albums, as well as winning six Grammys. During one of his tours in 1983, uh, as he says it, he was on stage at Shea Stadium, and he was thinking to himself, like, this is Everest. Like, this is as big as we get. And so he decided after that 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 even though they never officially broke up, that was it. He would start his solo career. He would have a hell of a solo career. He's responsible for hits like Every Breath You Take and Roxanne. Some stuff you might not know is that Sting is actually the one who sings the line, I want my MTV in the Dire Straits song, Money for Nothing. No, I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, learning something new. (laughs) <laughs> he also provided the vocals for Miles Davis's album, You're Under Arrest. He's got some pretty good accolades as an actor, too. This isn't all the stuff he's been in, but just some of the stuff that caught my attention. He was in Quadrafina in 1979, Dune in 1984, The Adventures of Baron Munchhouse in 1988, and Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels in 98. So, huh? All those That's are a good, good movies. I like yeah, those. those are pretty good movies. Yeah, so. Pretty good career for a school teacher in jazz artist all right so aside from sting you are right we are full of a bunch of ads a bunch of uh <laughs> like like literal commercial jingles so let's start out with plop plop fizz fizz that was written by tom dawes and bob wilvers now i couldn't find anything on bob wilvers but tom dawes is a former member of the band the circle circle <laughs> spelled c-y-r-k-l-e like cool like <laughs> circle you laugh but they were managed by the same guy that managed the beatles and they opened for the beatles and they actually had two top 40 hits so the circle was a thing <laughs> and so was tom dawes who wrote plop plop fizz fizz by alka seltzer 
by the way, the person credited as being responsible for that ad campaign, his name is Paul Margiles. He's the father of the of actress Juliana Margiles. She was in ER and The Good Wife. Damn. Yeah, she's a big deal. Her dad was a writer, philosopher, and ad man, and also responsible for penning the I Can't Believe I Ate the Whole Thing ad. <laughs> Like say, I can't believe it's Bop, not Bop, butter. Fizz, fizz. <laughs> Our next ad is the Armor Hot Dog Chingle. You might know it as Armor Hot Dog. Um, <laughs> damn it, I was hoping to get one where you're going to sing the whole thing. <laughs> I'm not going to sing the whole thing, damn it. No. <laughs> Armor, so, all right. Armor Hot Dogs, the company, born in, 19, in 1863, when Armor and Company joined Layton and Plankington Packing Company. <laughs> So back in the 1860s, in 1948, they actually made soap as a byproduct from, if you know, soap, part of an ingredient of soap is fat. So obviously a byproduct of a meat packing company would be uh, stuff like that. Yeah. And guess what they called their soap, guys? Dial. Oh. (laughs) You ever bought a bar of Dial soap? It's uh, from- You're a hot dog. Fat from- (laughs) Fat from Armor Hot Dogs. (laughs) I want you to imagine that instead of a top bar dial soap, you just had like a big hot dog in your shower and you're like scrubbing it on your body. Yep. <laughs> Pumps when you use it in the shower for her pleasure. So in the 1970s, Armour acquired Greyhound Corporation, the Greyhound Bus Corporation. Oh dear God! I was and, like, uh, "What are they, they making their hot dogs out of?" <laughs> <laughs> no, they they acquired them in a in a hostile takeover, and little no fat Stevie Nicks's dad, Jess Nicks, became the armor president. My God, he they, was, have, uh, they have whole neighborhoods under lock and key. They're like, "Listen, <laughs> we're a one stop shop. Take a shower." Grab a hot dog and get on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I neglected to bring all this. So I don't have any actual information about the song itself. So I'm just going to make it up. <laughs> <laughs> I have, there was no information about who wrote it. There was, so you know, but the company itself, they have been bought and acquired and bought and acquired so many different things and split up a bunch of different ways. Like at one point, they were part of Revlon makeup company. So let's go from that to Good Things from the Garden, which comes to us courtesy of the Pillsbury Company. It was written by Bernie Saber and Robert Noel. And uh, no, I could not find any information on either of those gentlemen. (laughs) The song itself comes from a 1963 EP called When Pea Pickers Get Together. And it features (laughs) Tennessee Ernie Ford and the Green Valley Singer. And on the jacket, it gives the uh, biography basically of the Jolly Green Giant. The giant, the Green Giant Company, by the way, merged with the Pillsbury Company in 1979. In 2001, they would be acquired by General Mills. And in 2015, they would be sold to B&G Foods for $765 million for peas. (laughs) Miraculously, the Jolly Green Giant is still a major sponsor of the Macy Thanksgiving Day Parade. Yeah, I just saw he has a huge quote. Yeah, so if you want to see a collection of things that probably won't exist in another 10 years, 
Just look at all the stuff that's in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Our next ad is Come Alive, You're in the Pepsi Generation. According to the soundtrack written by Sid Raman, but the Come Alive ad campaign was launched in 1963 as a result of a slogan contest. The winner of the contest? That's right, they got a brand new car. <laughs> wow. They use that the winner song. of the con the winner of that contest, by the way, was Ellen Greamer. She was a Wisconsin resident, and I uh, I guess she got a new car. It was originally performed by one Joni Summer, who is a hugely famous jazz singer from the '40s, jazz singer and actress. She's done a ton of stuff. Wow. So, but yeah, that ad, ad ad campaign was huge, and the person who came up with it, they got probably a 1963 Dodge Dart <laughs> or something. <laughs> That brings us to the Love Boat theme, written by Charlie Fox and Paul Williams, and then performed by singer and actor Jack Jones. So it was actually released in 1969. The Jack Jones version is used in every season of the Love Boat, except for one, in which they used the Dionne Warwick version for some reason. Damn. For, and for some reason, there's a Dionne Warwick version of the <laughs> Love Boat theme. Uh, it's also been covered by Charo and Olivia Newton-John, also Y. And you can see Jack Jones lip-sync it in uh, Airplane 2. The next jingle that we're going to have to talk about is My Dog's <laughs> Better Than Your Dog, which is listed as being written by Dick Marks and Tom Paxton. But that's not a, well, that's not 100%. But, all right, Tom Paxton is a huge American folk singer. Richard Marks was a pop singer and jazz pianist who sold over 30 million records. Now, why I say loosely about written, because My Dog's Better Than Your Dog comes from the Ken L. Ration Canned and Dry Dog Food Company. That dog food company existed mostly in the 60s and 70s. The original main ingredient for their dog food? U.S. grade horse meat. <laughs> uh. The song itself is, is based on the Tom Paxton song, My Dog is Bigger Than Your Dog. I'm sorry, My Dog's Bigger Than... Than your dog. The ad campaign is two kids singing My Dog's Better Than Your Dog, which is basically changing the words of the Tom Paxson song, and is sung one of the kids singing is a young Richard Marks, who would then Damn. grow up to be a pop singer and jazz pianist. So, Damn. And it's actually popped up in other pop culture. It popped up in 1996's Freeway and in 1993's The Sandlot. And yes, people used to feed their dogs horse. <laughs> My dog's food. <laughs> My dog's the size All of a horse. Right. <laughs> the last jingle brings us to Nobody Does It Like Sarah Lee, which I'm not a... I, I've also seen during research, no one does it. No one doesn't like it like Sarah Lee, which I don't think is right. I think someone's <laughs> someone's someone's punking me. Alright, so nobody does it like Sarah Lee. It is written by Fred Ebb and Mitch Lay. So, Fred Ebb was a lyricist and composer. He's known uh, from the Candor and Ebb group. They wrote, the team frequently wrote songs 
for artists like Liza Minnelli, Cheetah Rivera, and Judy Garland. So mm. a pretty popular, a pretty popular and famous lyricist wrote the ad campaign alongside the composer Mitch Lay, who is a Broadway composer and jazz musician. He actually is a Tony Award-winning Broadway composer, and he was also involved in the TV jingle for Benson and Hedges Cigarettes. So not just Sarah Lee, but also cigarette fame. He knew his audience. Pretty good ad man. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there you go. You learned a little bit about ads that people used to feed their dogs dog food. <laughs> and that dial soap is made from hot dog fat. I just can't get over how many possible scenarios where hot dogs come up in other companies. <laughs> yes. On the Greyhound, here's the no, hot dog. I, I hope that everyone who listens to... Cereals, hot dogs, I, covers, hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that everyone who listens to this music segment will forever, every time they see a bar of dial soap or the liquid dial soap, immediately think thinks that th- that is made from hot dog fat and or smells like hot dogs and it is re- <laughs> it is <laughs> and completely ruined dial soap forever. I'm just imagining what after the takeover at Greyhound, all the drivers come out and they're like, God damn it, he's fucking the hot dog people. Gas tank. He keeps shoving them in there. There's hundreds of hot dogs just having the gas tank. <laughs> it just fits so perfectly. Just fits right down the chutes. <laughs> oh. All right, let's get to our final thoughts on the demolition mix. I gotta stop talking about hot dogs. <laughs> okay. I need a break. <laughs> let's get our final thoughts. All right, Molson. I'm gonna have you I kick off. You're gonna go to me first. What are your final thoughts on Demolition Man? This might not be a popular opinion, but I don't want to live in this future. (laughs) This 1996 future where you can be frozen and then defrosted partially. So they can tell you that, no, we're going to freeze your ass again. Also, I don't want to live where all you can eat is Pizza Hut. Taco Bell I would be okay with, but the Pizza Hut version is not great. (laughs) So it's a good action movie. It's got all the things you... I love Sylvester Stallone, so, you know, can't go wrong with that. And I also have a thing for Wesley Snipes, so I'm okay with that. (laughs) I don't really have a thing for Sandra Bullock, but but she's in it. She's there. It's fun. She's a thing. She's a thing. It's fun. It's, it's, It's a forget your troubles and watch a movie. And you don't think about the plot because it doesn't make any sense. And that's where you go with it. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) I agree with you, Melissa. This movie is, it's a lot of fun. And that's what I mentioned before. It goes out of its way to be fun. Not to be into the world or some deep political meaning action thriller or something like that. It's just fun. And you have a lot of fun with it. It's filled to the brim with dad jokes. Yeah, exactly. Every time you open a closet door, dad jokes just like fall out onto the floor. <laughs> like there's hundreds of them everywhere throughout the entire script. And it's just fun. That's what I like about it. And that's why I like this movie. Now, it does check all the boxes. Bungie jumping out of a helicopter. Yeah, we got that. Freezing people in jail. Yeah, we got that. C4 Ooh. blowing up. Yeah. Got that. Weird virtual reality sex. We got that too. Like we are here for you. It's just a credit to also with the nineties that I mentioned in the very, very beginning is there's no subtlety in the eighties. Everything there was like a main plot and everything else was like wink wink, like, hey, this could also be this other thing. Hey, by the way, this is also referencing this other producer or this director or this thing that was in the news or something like that. None of the nineties. The nineties is just like straight out, like bam, here's we're gonna say what everyone's thinking. We're just going to say it out loud. And sometimes that's a lot of fun. Sometimes the 90s stuff gets like in the last Boy Scout. Like, hey, you probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Same oh, thing yeah. with Wesley Snipes in the whole museum scene that we <laughs> won't talk about. <laughs> sometimes you shouldn't say that stuff out loud. But uh, in general, this movie's 
one I've watched this so many times. I've probably watched this movie 25 times in my life. I've seen it a ton of times. Now, it's to the point now where it's not aging as gracefully as it did, say, in the early 2000s. But still fun. John, what are your final thoughts? One of my favorite Sylvester Stallone movies is Judge Dredd. And I think, and this is also one of my favorite of his. And I think they kind of fall into the same kind of category. That they were just kind of, like you guys were saying, they, they were really fun movies. But this is a lot of 90s sci-fi this is what 90s sci-fi really was it usually had a lot of action it was usually some bad special effects and some corny comedy that was what was great about it and what was great about it was that is that there was no holds you know there were all these different idea of what the future could be like uh i love judge dread because of the comic book demolition man especially being a kid from the 90s i remember when it was like yeah like it, it made sense like yeah pizza hut could take over the world you know <laughs> especially like now living in a kind of a more pc culture you know like i could kind of see where you know there are machines that write you a ticket for cursing in public places some of the stuff is fun and some of the stuff you laugh at and some of the you know like and some of the stuff is meant to be laughed at like the three shell stuff but it's all in good fun it's right in that same judge dread and super mario brothers kind of sci-fi movies around that same time i just love the action from stallone and from wesley snipes uh, i didn't know that it was one of sandra bullock's earliest roles and so it was kind of a breakout role for her it's always fun always i always enjoy watching it no matter how much movies change i always have fun going back and watching it but the plot every time i do go back and watch it i realize more and more like the plot makes zero sense the sewer <laughs> people make zero sense i mean <laughs> at, at one point i'm watching the movie and i'm thinking like man the Church of Scientology is going through a lot to prove magic is real, you know. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, the wrong uh, movie. You know, just, I'm just saying, like, like this. So much of the plot of this movie makes zero sense, but but it's all in good fun, and we get Sandra Bullock and Sylvester Stallone, uh, sci-fi sci-fi banging sex scene. <laughs> So, <laughs> the only unfortunate part we have in all of this is that even in the future, overall still exists. <laughs> yes, and that's going to do it for us this week on Go with the Heat. We would love for you to contact us. Email us go with the heat at gmail.com. Get us on Twitter at go with the heat, Instagram.com slash go with the heat, Facebook.com slash go with the heat. You can also go to go with the heat.com and you can find all the ways to contact us. We would love to hear from you. What do you think about Demolition Man? I'm ordering you, damn it. <laughs> You're going to email us and you're going to tell us what you think about Demolition Man. You're going to tell us how you think those three seashells work. <laughs> Let's not what do exactly that. What <laughs> do you do with the three seashells? What is the process yeah. in that? <laughs> would, would you buy hot dog scented dial soap? <laughs> you know what I want you to do? Don't email me it. I want you to go to iTunes and I want you to leave us a review. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, we haven't asked dogs? for one of these in a long time. <laughs> we haven't asked for one of these. We want you to go to iTunes. Give us five stars. I don't know where you do that. Tony, just give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that'll help people find the show. It'll help us improve our rankings. And then when a movie comes along, someone else will listen to, they'll find us. They'll be able to find us. The same thing on any other your podcast or platform. We, we, leave us a five-star review. But then don't write a review. Write about hot dog flavored soap. <laughs> flavored? <laughs> Scented. Not flavored. No, flavored. Oh, okay. I want flavored soap. I'm like, what the hell are you doing in the shower? That's why our soap disappears so fast. Sitting <laughs> there gnawing on it. <laughs> Damn, I wish this was that hot dog scented one. That's so much better. <laughs> 
So in the review, right, if you prefer a hot dog flavored or a hot dog scented, when it's, you want your hot dog soap to taste like hot dogs. <laughs> also, be shaped like a hot dog. <laughs> Sometimes you got to clean some hard to reach places. <laughs> go leave that review on iTunes. Please go to iTunes and tell them how you like your hot dog flavored hot dog scented. <laughs> so, oh man, check out that website, goldheat.com. You can find all the other places you can get in contact with us and also be able to find the show. As I mentioned at the top, you can find us on Spotify and tune in. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love for you to check out that website. We'd love for you to leave your hot dog reviews on iTunes. That's going to do it for us this week. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you all next time. Bye, pal.